Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. Today's show focuses exclusively on this week's features from the WFUV Newsroom. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Christina Lulich. And here are this week's feature stories. Every week, the What's What podcast brings you the latest updates in the world of music. And this week, we're joined by WFUV's Jaya Joyce. Hey, Jaya. Hey, guys. We've had a lot going on this week. Over the weekend, the music world suffered a huge loss with the death of 76-year-old Jimmy Buffett. The iconic musician lost his four-year battle with skin cancer on Friday in Sag Harbor on Long Island. Such a big loss for the music world and what a legacy he leaves behind. But talk about how he's being honored. Well, famous artists and fans have come together in the tri-state area to share their love for the Margaritaville singer. On Saturday, country artist Keith Urban dedicated a performance to him at his concert in Atlantic City, performing two of Buffett's iconic hits. And what about his fans? Well, as Jimmy said, it's always five o'clock somewhere. And in New York City, fans took the phrase to heart. The day after his death, they flooded Buffett's well-known Margaritaville Resort in Times Square to immerse themselves in the Jimmy Buffett universe and drink some margaritas in his honor. Also over the weekend, fans gathered at Jones Beach on Long Island, where Buffett performed many times throughout his career. There was definitely a large camp of New Yorkers celebrating the life and legacy of Jimmy Buffett this weekend, but I heard some others were lined up for the Electric Zoo Music Festival on Randall's Island. How did that go? I wouldn't say the annual event ran smoothly, Christina. The highly anticipated three-day EDM festival got a little bit chaotic. Not all fans with tickets were even able to get inside to experience the music. Wait, what do you mean? Well, the first day of the festival was canceled because organizers weren't able to set up the stage in time for their performances. That upset fans with Friday tickets. But the anger stirred up even more when fans were denied entry into the festival on Sunday as well. Why is that, Jaya? The festival made an announcement on X saying the event had reached full capacity at around 6.30 p.m. and that fans not yet inside wouldn't be allowed in. The capacity concerns were also connected with the event cancellation on Friday. But fans turned away should be rest assured that they will receive full refunds for their tickets. That's good to hear. Now, let's turn to some big news for rock and roll fans. I heard the Rolling Stones are sitting on a major announcement. So what's going on with them? We have some monumental news for Rolling Stones fans. Yesterday, the band announced that they'll be releasing their first studio album in 18 years. It's called Hackney Diamonds and will be the Rolling Stones' first album since the 2005 release of A Bigger Bang. Do you think anyone saw this coming? Some were suspicious. The band has been teasing the album for a little bit now with a mysterious marketing campaign projecting their logo onto major landmarks throughout the U.S., but the confirmation of new music has fans geeking out. Is there any more new information? The three surviving members, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Ron Wood, will announce more details at an event in London tomorrow. But fans can tune into the live stream from around the world. It'll be streamed on the Rolling Stones YouTube account at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And to top it all off, they'll be interviewed by New York's own Jimmy Fallon. That's such exciting news. Jaya Joyce is a reporter at WFUV News who covers all things music. 
Jaya, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Queer Americans around the country are increasingly facing challenges to their rights. And here in New York City, some local organizations have been dealing with the fallout. WFUV's Avery Loftus spoke with one of these organizations, which serves LGBTQ plus youth in New York City's foster care system, to learn more about the work they're doing to help. Can you first start out by telling me a little bit about the history and programs at JCCA? So JCCA has been in the child care industry for around 200 years. Um, they have since expanded um, rebranding from Jewish child care to JCCA. My department, which is the LEAP and Education Department, um, where I worked with youth from 14 to 21, and I kind of assist them and help them as they transition from high school to college or high school to trade or in the employment industry. And more than 30% of those in foster care identify as LGBTQ+, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, they are also two times more likely to face mistreatment and discrimination in this care system. What types of services and supports do you think are most important for young people in foster care who identify as members of the LGBTQIA community? And what do you think you can offer as a youth coach to kind of foster a system of care and inclusivity? We have a lot of trainings with sensitivity and pronouns. I also think it's important to hire more queer people in the workspace so that youth feel safe. I think it's also important to recognize people's pronouns and respect them as well. Um, In my personal experience, I I love the fact that I do have youth that are on my case, so that do look up to me, that do communicate with me. And they see me as not only is this person alumni, but they are also queer. And whether they identify with that or not, I, I, I love that they see these people in these spaces and say, you know what, I can do that as well. There have been a lot of anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. The ACLU yeah. is currently tracking nearly 500 bills that are currently in state legislatures. So how do you think organizations like JCCA can help to mitigate the discrimination and abuse within these systems. I do agree the current state of our legislators is really sad when it when it comes to queer survival. I do believe more tra- uh, more trainings will be effective and speaking to queer youth and getting their opinions um, and also educating ourselves and how we can protect ourselves and how we can get ourselves out of a bad situation. And on a lighter note, JCCA is in its 200th year. And why do you think an organization like JCCA has lasted so long? JCCA has this has this sort of resilience and adaptability to keep servicing and, and to keep finding out how we can help our clients and be there and be progressive. I would like to bring to my youth, all my caseload and out of my caseload, pride isn't just something that happens in June. You know, it's January to December and you are loved and people shouldn't have to hide and they're safe with us. That was WFUV's Avery Loftus on the work JCCA is doing to help New York City's LGBTQ plus foster kids.
And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up every week for more features exclusively from the WFUV Newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What Daily Podcast every weekday at 3 for the latest local news and feature stories from FUV. And as always, you can find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm David Escobar. And that's What's What.